Hey, this is Ted Prozelski. Welcome to another episode of Words and Work. Uh, today, um, we're going to be doing the words side of that. Uh, Sarah Gasson, who has been at the Arizona Daily Star for a quarter of a century. Um, and uh, she's going to talk about uh, her career there as well as uh, where she's moving on to because she's going to be leaving the star uh, soon. Um, so I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy this interview. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get it started. Okay, we've got uh, Sarah Garrett Gasson here. And uh, she's been at the Arizona Daily Star for 25 years. And, and, and first of all, how, how did you get started in journalism? Um, I grew up in a house in St. Louis, Missouri, where we always subscribed to, there were two daily papers. We got the New York Times. There were local like neighborhood papers. So our kitchen table always had newspapers every day. And I became a voracious reader of them. And along the way, I realized that noticing what was happening and writing things down was pretty fun and kind of cool. So when I got to high school, our Kirkwood High School journalism program is was one of the best in the country and, and still is. And I decided that I was going to apply for, you had to apply for the class. I got accepted. I have my acceptance letter on my wall still. And I spent three years at the Kirkwood call. Um, and then in college, I came out here for, for university, intended to go into Latin American studies, wanted to do journalism in Latin America. And it became clear that I am not a Spanish speaker, no matter how hard I try. And my first love really is journalism. So I switched majors to journalism, um, continued at the Wildcat, and here I am today. Yeah, well, it's funny because last week I interviewed a guy that started at the Wildcat. So, <laughs> um, and what, what was working at the Wildcat like in the, that would have been the mid 1980s, right? It would have been uh, early 90s, 90s. Early 90s. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I should not get that one wrong. Um, uh, so early 1990s. Um, so what was it like working there at that time? It was fantastic. It was a thriving student journalism um newspaper. And the best thing about the Wildcat is that while it is a university newspaper, it's entirely student run, or it was at the time and, and still is. So we had to do the real job of journalism day in and day out and uh, learn some lessons the hard way, learned the power of, of the press. And my GPA suffered greatly because I quickly realized that uh, doing journalism day in and day out, um, there's nothing else like it. And uh, so I spent, I would say, a good majority of my time at, at the newspaper rather than doing my homework. I'm not recommending that, but but yeah, doing journalism, there's just it's it's a special thing. Yeah, um, you know, you talked about working at at, at the, you know, about the the 
small, you know, smaller town newspapers and even just bigger city newspapers. I, I'm, I always think of, okay, that's the guy that's interrupted. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I'll... No, no, no. Anyway, I'll be uh, behind the door. All right. Okay, I'm sorry about that. So you you talked a little bit about you know the smaller town newspapers and also just you know even larger cities that used to have several newspapers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I I always think about you know the last time I was in Florence, I noticed they had a machine for their newspaper there on the corner and it was the Florence Reminder Blade Tribune. So that means that that Florence, Arizona could once support three newspapers. Um, and um, you know, and then that's just not the case anymore. I mean, even Tucson used to have two newspapers, as you know, very intimately. Yes. Um, so you know what what do you think we lose when we when we don't have that anymore? Oh, a tremendous, tremendous amount. Um, the day the citizen, Tucson Citizen closed in Tucson was a very sad, excuse me, sad day for, for all journalists and the entire community. Um, the more people you have uh, keeping a trained eye on local government, on politics, on transportation, on all the things the daily life uh, brings, in a community, the better. And it really is the, the competition between the, the star and the citizen was real and it was fierce. And I remember when we were, we, you know, at the building at 4850 South Park, which um, has been sold, there was a cafeteria. And so if you're talking, you know, with a colleague about a story or something, in the cafeteria and someone from the other paper comes in, you know, you say, hi, your friends, whatever, but you don't keep talking about the, the story that you're working on. Um, and it made everyone better. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's something that for folks that aren't familiar with, with how that arrangement worked, y'all were actually in the same building and that was part of a, uh, an agreement that I'm not sure what, maybe you know more about what year it happened, but that, that was allowed for the, the two newspapers to actually share some operations and it, it kept them both existing for a long time, right? Yeah, it's called a joint operating agreement. And I don't know the when it started, but it was um, it was unusual, but not, not unheard of for uh, place newspapers in two newspaper towns to, um, have their separate newsrooms, you know, we were separate newsrooms and, but the printing operations, the circulation ads, the, the business side of it was a third company called Tucson newspapers incorporated TNI. And so the way, the reason for that is because operating a printing press is incredibly expensive as is, you know, circulation and delivery and all that sort of stuff. So it was a way to keep newspaper newsrooms, reporting staffs, independent of each other, separate. Gannett owned the Citizen, Pulitzer, and then Lee owned the Star. And so independent newsrooms, but sharing costs and profits, um, of 
of the joint operation business part of it. Yeah, I I, I remember, you know, when you talk about the, that competition and, and I mean, it was friendly, but right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I remember reading uh, there was a book that was published about the, the Evan Meekham impeachment and that and, and how much of the news was the rivalry between the news was generated because of the rivalry between the editors of the Republic and what was then the Phoenix Gazette, which no longer exists. And, and, and so I think a lot of people don't appreciate what those competitions and rivalries can, can get us news wise. Absolutely. It's, you know, you want to, you want to have the scoop. You want to have the, the big story before the other person does. And to do that, um, you have to dig, you have to be investigative, you have to be dogged. And I think that that healthy competition is, is an important part of any community. Yeah. Um, So when you first got to the star, what sort of stories were you covering? Well, when I first got to the star, I was opening envelopes and butchering a lot of mail for the features department because they had a machine that that you feed it in and it opens the envelope and I sliced up a lot of a lot of press releases by accident. So I did that and um, and helped kind of as a news assistant because you had to call the movie theaters and get the movie times for the movie listings. They didn't just appear like they do now. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of that sort of stuff and I did similar things over on the business department. And then after probably about a year of that, maybe not quite a year of that, I got uh, moved to the Northwest Bureau, which covered Oro Valley, Marana, um, and the school districts of Amphi, Flowing Wells, Marana, and yeah those those three and so it was it was busy because all our content had to be local i was at the oro valley town council um meetings till midnight one week and then the amphitheater public school district uh meet, meetings till midnight the next week so i covered uh municipal government covered education and it was it was a lot but it was great. It was a great foundation. And then what, what uh, did you, how did you move on from there? Um, after covering the uh, longtime Tucsonans may remember the call to the audience um, uh, debate controversy and in, in amphitheater public schools mm-hmm. um, back in the late nineties where the school board didn't want to have a call to the audience, which is where members of the public can come up and say whatever is on their mind, as long as they're not attacking people. And, and the school board can't legally, because it's not on an agenda, if a person brings up a topic and call to the audience, it's not on the agenda legally, the board cannot respond. So there were some unhappy people who had some thoughts to share with the the school board at the time, and they weren't really that interested in hearing it. So that was a big, that was a big thing. And then I got moved to um, cover the U of A 
and and Pima. I got you know kind of promoted to the big leagues and moved back down to the to the main newspaper, the main newsroom, and uh, covered the U of A for a while, and then to USD in education, and then a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I mean, when you bring up the the Amphi thing, because I remember that was a huge controversy, um, and because uh, it's a, I mean, it's it's not TUSD, but it's a pretty big school district, and, and mm-hmm. so it got a lot of, of coverage. But um, you know, something that when when I, you know, I'm, I'm doing writing about soccer, and I, I encounter a lot of coaches at the lower levels who just are shocked that I'm even bothering, <laughs> you know? Um, and I wonder with some of the smaller school districts and smaller municipalities, what the attitude is with dealing with the press. Yeah, it's, I found that, um, I mean, I think if you're a, a elected official and you're, you're smart about it, you understand that, that, the media paying attention is a good thing. Um, but until, unless you're trying to um, do things the way, you know, in a way that's not, I don't want to say above board, but that's not the, the best in, the, in serving your, your people. So I think when I would show up at uh, Oro Valley town council meetings, there was sort of a, oh, you're here. And it's, it was something that I think they, they had to get used to the attention. They had to get used to the idea that, that people were paying attention. Although, you know, Mark Evans at the Northwest Explorer had been doing a bang up job covering Mm -hmm. those areas for a while. So it wasn't unheard of, but I think it was an adjustment. Yeah. It's kind of funny because with the smaller communities, um, you'd think that they'd be used to scrutiny just because, you know, the size of the community, everyone kind of knows what people are up to, you know, to some extent. Yeah. But the, the, the thing is knowing what your small community, um, suddenly your small community, everyone knows about it in Tucson because it's on the front page. And so it has sort of a different, um, a different tack. I do remember uh, one time being um, uh, requested to to visit the town manager in Oro Valley, um, and he had he was mad about uh, something that had to do with the the county attorney looking at receipts or something like that. I'm not remembering the the details. It was a long time ago, but he, um, you know, met me outside the town. Uh, the town hall and proceeded to yell at me in front of, in the parking lot in front of everyone who's, who's coming and going. And um, because he didn't like a story or something like that. Oh, I had said that he was unavailable for comment. And I should have known that if he didn't call me back, that meant he was like away from the office or something like it was stupid. Um, But I realized as he was yelling at me that, yeah, you're yelling at me because you're not going to call up Barbara wall and yell at her. So, um, so it was, it was interesting and it was a lot of fun. And, um, 
it is weird what what kind of municipal humor erupts when it's like 11:30 at night and everyone's there and um you're talking about what color the target sign can be on the new target that clearly is going to be red because all target signs are red and target doesn't really care what your local ordinance is. So it was those sort of low stakes, high emotional things. Uh, I'm familiar (laughs) in my day job. Um, What, uh, you know, it's funny when you talk about how he was angry because you, you said he wasn't available for comment. I've been struck, you know, and when you talk about low stakes, I mean, I enjoy the writing that I'm doing, but it's not, you know, I'm, I'm not breaking Watergate, you know, it, you know, but the, the strange understandings that even people who are PIOs who maybe they have communications degrees, maybe they have journalism degrees, but they are, they're trained in this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where, you know, people trying to get retroactive, uh, uh, you know, retroactive off the record declarations and, and um, you know, well, you know, I know I said that, but that's not what I should, you know, it's, 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 it's fascinating to to see Mm -hmm. that that stuff go on. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I mean, if, if you're just a regular person, um, you know, telling a reporter and you don't know, You've never talked with the media before. You don't know how journalism works. Um, You're trying to be helpful. Um, I think there's a big difference between that and someone who's an elected official or a public information officer who really does know, um, you know, off the record needs to be an agreement before you start talking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will tell people, don't tell me anything you don't want to see in print because unless we talk about it first and then we have to agree that it's off the record. So I think there's, there's varying um, levels of, Oh no, I said that. And, you know, in a conversation and then trying to, to rein it back. And I think, you know, journalism, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take advantage of someone who doesn't understand the kind of the rules or the guidelines or how it works. Um, But if you're an elected official, then you really do. You need to be held to account for what you say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So um, what kind of stories did you cover when you were covering U of A and Pima? Um, U of A at that time, Peter Likens was just coming in. Mm -hmm. And um, after uh, Manuel Pacheco, who had, and part of trying to kill the journalism school um, mm-hmm. was was out. So that was interesting, that sort of, and I had had um, not good dealings with, with Pacheco as editor of the Wildcat. So who um, did? <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So, um, so it was, you know, a new president, a new, he was, I have to say Pete Likens was very accessible. Um, was hard to, quote and probably still is because he speaks in very long he speaks in paragraphs Mm -hmm. with you know you can see the punctuation as he's speaking so which is great but if you're writing everything down there's not that breather for you to catch up but pete likens i i think is great um and then pima 
at that time, I am trying to remember what was the big news then. And I am not coming you, up with any big yeah, stories. You, well, you were, I think you were done covering Pima before all the stuff broke out about them losing the veteran status and running yeah, into all those problems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all yeah. of that. Yeah. It was just sort of run of the mill going to board meetings, nothing really that exciting. And unless I'm, I've blanked something out. Um, but yeah. Was it, was, it that traumatic? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But the U of A is interesting to cover because it's a government. It's a city within itself. There's the faculty Senate. There are um, a million different competing needs and interests. And there's the education part of it. So it as an institution, it's it's really interesting. To so so from what it sounds like you got to cover both, you know, or not both, but research, uh, student activity and, you know, kind of governance there, which, yeah. it, which well, you, you never got bored. Right. No, it was, there was yeah. always something, always yeah. something. Um, so in your time at the star, what, what story are you most proud of writing about? Um, that is a really, oh, well, my big, so I am not a sports fan. Mm-hmm. I really don't care about sports that much. But one of my front page stories was um, that uh, when that Dick Tomey uh, was had been given through public records and doing some reporting, I was able to break the story that he had been um, told that he was going to get fired if he didn't quit. And so that was my big contribution to the sports community of Tucson. Mm. Um, but it was a, a really, it was interesting because I was able to get the public records, able to see the contracts and talk to people. Um, but I think over the course of my career, the what I'm most proud of is uh, my work with early childhood education and as the opinion editor and doing some reporting and and advocacy. And now there's the $10 million, well, $11 million, um, actually more than $11 million um, for the new Pima early education program Mm -hmm. for scholarships for lower income families to send their kids to um, high quality uh, preschool. So that is something that, you know, it's a tangible thing that, that has come about that I've been proud to be part of. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so just for everyone listening who maybe is, aren't, aren't uh, familiar with how newspapers work, what, what is the job of the opinion editor? Um, so the opinion editor is also called the editorial page editor. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of changed how I referred to it to opinion because people outside newspapers don't really, unless you're in that circle of dealing with newspapers all the time, you don't understand the difference between the editorial page and the rest of the uh, newspaper. And then plus if um, in other media, referring to editorial just means anything that's not ads. Mm -hmm. So I just started calling it the opinion page. So the opinion editor is responsible for a lot of different things. Um, we write opinion pieces, editorials, 
So um, the editorial board is made up of uh, the opinion page editor and the president and publisher of the newspaper, who's John Durlando, and then our top newsroom leader, editor Jill Jordan Spitz. And though the some newspapers have more, some people have places have less, but those are the the people that set the opinion, decide what is the newspaper editorial board going to endorse or write about or take a position on um, in an in an editorial. And those aren't signed because they are the uh, voice of the opinion or the editorial board. So the, um, as opinion writer, I write those. Um, I also write a column and there's a flood of, the star is very fortunate to have a very active community of people who submit like 600 word pieces, guest opinions, some places call them op-eds, we call them guest opinions. Um, And so select what, shows up on the page, edit, um, choose the syndicated uh, pieces, and then is responsible for the letters to the editor. Basically anything that, that shows up. I may not be the person every day who selects the letters to the editor. We have a great uh, opinion coordinator, Sarah Brown, who does that. And then I edit. Um, and then if... It's also the opinion editor's job if David fit to make sure that um, David Fitzsimmons uh, cartoons are spelled right. And that if he crosses a line that like my favorite example was he had a cartoon, I think during the Stormy Daniels time um, with Trump over a woman's knee and he didn't have any pants on. So, and he was being spanked. So, um, it was my job to to call Fitz and say, "You got to put pants on the president." I was I was going to ask you about Fitz, and you took care of that. <laughs> <laughs> I've known him for a long time, and and yeah. Uh, um, so, you are uh, leaving our beloved city and I moving am. on. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, as I mentioned. Um, my parents are still there, and so is my brother and his family, and some long, long time friends. And um, I have lived here. And when I came for college, I never really went back. I'd go back for maybe a Christmas or you know a visit, but I didn't um, go back and spend the summer in St. Louis. I, I stayed here, so. Um, when I went back in April, after two years of being away um, because of COVID and all the other stuff, um, I really started to feel differently about it. And I wrote about it in the last Sunday's Star, and it's available online at Tucson.com if anyone wants to read it. But it really started, um, it just felt like it was time. It was time to make a change, make a move, and if not now, then when? So I decided over the summer that I was going to move back. My parents were shocked and uh, very surprised and and now are looking forward to it. But, you know, there just comes a point in your life sometimes where you need to 
listen to the universe and and start a new chapter in a familiar in a familiar book. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, speaking to me. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah, and thank all of you for listening. If I can uh, make a little bit of a pitch for a moment, we talked about uh, local newspapers and how important they are for a community. So all of you out there who uh, uh, are reading local news, uh, make sure to support it. Uh, get a subscription, um, get a donation if it's uh, a nonprofit news source. And uh, it's important to keep those uh, those entities going because they are they are very important parts of the community. Uh, they can occasionally be infuriating, but it's also the only way we know what's going on in our town. Um, you're not going to get that by flipping on cable news. So uh, make sure to do that. I'm Ted Przelski. This is Words and Work, which is a presentation of the National Writers Union Tucson chapter and downtown radio. Thank you all very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. It'll be fun. <laughs>